Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Father, we thank you for this time together that we can study your precious holy word. And we do so in the precious and holy name of Jesus, inviting the teaching ministry of your Holy Spirit to rise up big among us. We submit our lives to the teaching of your word, believing to be changed by what we hear from glory to glory. That you might be glorified in and through each of our lives. That we might conform to the very image of Jesus. That we might represent you well upon this earth and let our light shine among men. That they might see our good works and glorify you. Father, we thank you for the opportunity. Give you all the praise for the outcome. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Tonight, I want to share a little bit with you tonight about our confession. Our confession. Last week, talked about decreeing some things. And that the things that we decree, we establish as being done in our lives. Job 22, 28 made that very clear. Thou shalt decree a thing and it shall be established. We talked about how death and life are in the power of the tongue. And if you want to establish life, then you need to speak life. I need to decree life. And if we want to establish death, and you can establish death, you realize, in a positive way. Speaking to sickness and disease and commanding it to die and dry up by the root. We have the power to do that. It's his power, but thank God he gets us to use it. He lets us use it. Amen. Praise God. Well, tonight... Our focus is going to be on the place that confession holds in the believer's life. And I believe it's important to do this because without a proper understanding of confession, we can give place to foolishness and presumption. And we don't want anything to do with foolishness or presumption. They're both dangerous. What do you mean by foolishness? Well, when we start acting apart from what the truth of God's word says from the heart, that's getting into foolishness. Presumption is just some you could say it this way when Jesus was told to cast himself down because the angel would, angels would catch him that would be foolish and presumptuous because he, he responded by saying but you're, you're kind of misleading here the scripture says that but not in that context that would be foolish for him to do something like that and so it's foolish for us to do things like take our child off of medication if they need it if you're not truly in faith and you don't understand what you're saying and doing. That'd be foolish. You want to give them all the help you can. So they can be cared for. Until the faith rises up to overcome it. And presumption. You don't want to be presumptuous. God's going to do it. Without our cooperation. But anyhow. So first of all. The great confession. And this is found in Matthew chapter 10 verse 32. Confessing Jesus as Lord of our lives is the most important confession we can possibly make. In Matthew chapter 10 and verse 32, it says, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. Now, as you see the word confess there, that word really means more than just a verbal agreement. It actually is the word homologio, homologio, which is the Greek word, and it actually means to confess or speak a conclusion. So in other words, you came to a conclusion based on research. You researched the subject. 
and then you come to a conclusion and then you make your declaration of faith. So here the word means to say the same thing, to declare, to decree, to admit. So you're walking in agreement with God. How can two walk together except they be agreed? But the words you're speaking, the things that you're saying are coming from your heart because you've done your research. And as a result, you have concluded the matter. That this is the truth and therefore I believe it and I am going to speak it or say it. Then also the thought is if we confess our allegiance to Christ, then he said, I'll confess you. I'll confess you. So then he really reveals to the Father that we are his followers who are loyal and faithful to him. And this is also played out, you can see it in Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 1 where he's the high priest of our confession or profession. Now the verse says, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, same word, homologio, Christ Jesus. So he's the high priest of what? Of our saying the same thing. He's the high priest of our declarations or decrees. The things that we say, declare and decree based on our research and based on our conclusion. He says, I'll be high priest over that. And remember what this book is talking about. It's talking about the ministry of the high priest. It's talking about Jesus being better than every ministry, including angels, the temple, including all animal sacrifices, then Moses, Aaron, the high priest, and all that, even Abraham, there's no one greater than him. He is the high priest of our declarations of faith or our profession of faith or the conclusions that we come to and we express by faith from our heart with the words of our mouth. He is the high priest of our confession. Now, I believe there has to be a revelation of truth before we can really be established enough to decree certain things that we want done in our lives. So we have got to be faithful to study the word, research it, study it for ourselves. And don't just copy or mimic someone else just because someone else said it, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say the same thing. Our confession has got to be based on the deep conviction of facts. We get a hold of the facts and we embrace them. As a matter of fact, I put together here the definition I believe that really should speak to all of our hearts about what confession really is. Confession is affirming something that we believe. It is testifying to something that we know. It is witnessing, you see, for a truth that you and I have embraced for ourselves. So it's not just saying something that someone else says because they told you to say it. It is affirming something that you really believe from your heart. It is testifying to something that you know. It is witnessing for a truth that you have embraced for yourself. So when it comes to our Savior, we believe that he is the Messiah, that he is the Son of God. We have affirmed that in our own hearts and minds. We've embraced it. We've experienced his saving grace. And so then it becomes something that you and I can boldly proclaim, declare, and decree. Now, trying to confess what others have confessed is wrong. And I believe this is where the Word of Faith movement has received all kinds of criticism. They heard someone say, I just said be healed, and I took my child off of medication. 
So the other person says, I'll do the same thing, be healed and take the person off of medication and they watch their child die. See, the problem was this. Doing that is like going into a court of law and testifying to something you haven't seen or heard. Can you imagine being there on the witness stand? Well, what did you see? Nothing. Why are you here? Because someone else told me what happened. You get laughed right out of court. See, it's not your information. It's not something that you've embraced. It's not something that you've seen. You didn't see it. You can't testify. So it's important that when we teach these principles, that we provide the understanding that is necessary about the subject so that people don't go off into foolishness and also into presumption and then have all these situations occur that are detrimental to people's lives. Now there are different kinds or aspects of confession and that's why we really want to touch base with all these so we can have a better clear understanding because if we're going to decree some things and establish those things in our lives then we have to understand exactly how it works. Or like I said we'll find ourselves in foolishness and presumption and the devil will run all over you. So first and foremost confession unto salvation. Confession unto salvation. These are the aspects of confession. In the book of Romans chapter 10 verses 8 through 10, but what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, the word of faith. That is the word of faith that we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe that God had raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved with the heart. Man believes unto righteous with the mouth. Confession is made unto salvation. Notice the involvement of the heart and the mouth. This is a person who has done his research and came to a conclusion. I have concluded that Jesus is the Messiah. He is Lord of all. And I believe with all my heart in his sacrifice and the blood that he shed. And so because I believe it from my heart, I now will say with my mouth that Jesus is Lord of my life. So you embrace him as your savior. You're confessing unto what? Salvation. With the heart and mouth, he confesses unto salvation and he gets saved. One time in Midland when I was walking the street talking to some individual I was asked to talk to, a young man, and young man in his 20s, and I said to him, well, do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Oh, yes. Do you believe that Jesus died for our sins? Oh, yes. You believe that he was raised from the dead on the third day? Oh, absolutely, I believe that. I said, well, that's all the criteria. That's what you need. He's alive right now at the Father's right hand. Oh, I believe all that. I said, well, then, since you said all that, Will you make him the Lord of your life? Confess him as your Savior and Lord. And he stopped me as we were walking and said, I'm doing a pretty good job myself with my own life. I'm not ready to do something like that. Now see, he was saying all the right things. But what was he really doing? He was only saying what he was taught by someone. Maybe growing up in church, he heard these things. And so yes, he agreed to them. He assented to them, but when we got right down to it, and I said, are you now ready to make him Lord by confessing him as your Lord and your allegiance to him to be the Lord of your life? And remember, coming to Christ is denying yourself, taking up your cross, and following Jesus. Are you ready to do that, to confess him as Lord? No, absolutely not. I'm doing pretty good with myself, taking care of my own life. So he wanted to hold the reins to his own life. I can only pray that someone watered the seed I planted 
And that at some point in his life, he confessed Jesus as Savior and Lord. I don't know. Haven't seen him since. Then secondly, there's a confession unto forgiveness. The confession unto forgiveness. See, there's a confession unto salvation and also unto forgiveness. Look at 1 John 1, 9. It says, if we confess our sins, notice confession. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Notice cleansing from all unrighteousness is the result of confessing our sins. So we confess unto forgiveness. Here, confession means to acknowledge our guilt. You realize that there's a godly sorrow that works repentance and there's worldly sorrow that is really, you could define it this way, worldly sorrow is just you're sorry because you got caught and you're sorry for the consequences of your actions. Remember when the Israelites were bitten by snakes? They didn't ask for forgiveness. They didn't need to admit that they sinned until what? They were bitten by snakes. After they were bitten by the snakes, they said, we have sinned. They confessed their sin. But why did they confess their sin? Because they were bitten by snakes. Judgment was the consequence. That was the judgment, the consequence of their sin. And they wouldn't acknowledge it. And that's what confess means, to acknowledge it, to identify with it, until some tragic thing happened. But thank God they did confess then their sin. And that's when, you know, they held the serpent up on a pole. Anyone that lived then, or looked rather than they lived. Well, there's a difference between positional and relational forgiveness. There's a big difference between the two. In the book of Ephesians chapter 1 verses 6 through 8, this is relationship forgiveness. To the praise of the glory of his grace, where he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. This is redemption he's talking about. This is the remission of sins. This is relationship forgiveness. So we're forgiven and we have a relationship with, with the Father because we made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of our lives. 1 John 1 9 was not referring to relationship. It was referring to fellowship. Because you see he talked about fellowship throughout this. He talked in verse 7 about walking in the light as he's in the light. We have fellowship with one another. If we confess our sins, why? Because we broke fellowship. It's like a father-son relationship. Just because I break fellowship with my father doesn't mean I break relationship with him. If I do something displeasing to him and he's not, not happy with me, he's upset with me. Well, we broke fellowship, not relationship. So when we break fellowship with the Father, it's important that we confess our sins, identify with our sins, we acknowledge our sins. Why? So we can be faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And you know when you do wrong. Does anybody here know when you do wrong? We all know when we do wrong. And the thing is, it's important to know this. When we confess our sin, praise God, we thank God that we can obtain mercy and void divine judgment. Look at the book of Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 28 rather in verse 13. It says, he that covereth his sins shall not prosper. But whoso confesseth, identifies with, acknowledges. He's done the research and he's found out I'm wrong. And forsakes them shall have what? Mercy. And so you see, it's important that we understand confession unto salvation. 
is one thing, but confession unto forgiveness is another. And I know there's all kind of crazy teaching out there right now talking about once you've accepted Christ, all your sins are forgiven, past, present, and future. You don't have to confess your sins. Don't buy into that. Don't buy into that. Your sins, past, present, and future are provided for. And it's important that we confess our sins, identify ourselves with our sins, and ask God to forgive us and cleanse us. Why? So we can avoid divine judgment. Anybody here want snakes in your bedroom tonight when you go home? I don't think so. Absolutely not. Look in the book of uh, Psalms 32. This is 1 through 6 in the New Living Translation. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those who record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. When I refuse to confess my sin, my body wasted away. What a statement. And I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline. We can avoid divine judgment and discipline. Was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. What a feeling. Isn't that a wonderful, wonderful feeling when all your guilt is gone? And see, they're trying to say you don't have to confess your sin. You can't tell me that when you do wrong, it's not on your conscience. Why do you think we're warned in 1 Timothy that our conscience can be seared as with a hot iron? Because you know what? If you don't feel any guilt when you do wrong, that's a bad place to be in. We need to be tender, sensitive before God, knowing that, hey, I shouldn't have acted that way. I shouldn't have talked that way. I'm not representing Christ well that way. Father, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. And not just the sins of commission, the sins of omission. Man, I haven't maybe prayed like I should or studied your word like I should or done what I should. Maybe I should have talked to that person about you, Jesus, and I didn't do it, so forgive me for that. Okay, number three, there's the confession of praise. Oh, to the precious name of Jesus. Look at Hebrews 13, verse 15. <clears throat> it says, through him, therefore, let us constantly and at all times offer up to God a sacrifice of praise which is the fruit of lips that thankfully acknowledge and confess and glorify his name how often are we to do this continually constantly all the time now how important is this to us well notice in your notes there I put the confession or calves of our lips you could say the confession of our lips replaces the calves that were sacrificed in the Old Testament see in the Old Testament under Levitical priesthood they had to offer up these sacrifices these animal sacrifices of calves and bulls and goats and all those but thank God all that has been superseded by the blood of Jesus Christ, the sacrifices of our Lord. All that has been abolished and put away. Aren't you glad for that? We don't have to bring sacrificial animals every time we gather together. 
to have an audience with God. We don't have to bring any animal sacrifice and burning of incense and do all that. But there's one thing that we must do, and that is the confession of our lips, giving praise to God in the name of Jesus for all things provided for by the blood covenant. Father, thank you for Jesus, my Savior, my healer, my redeemer. In the name of Jesus, I've been delivered and set free and made whole. And I praise you, Father, continually with my lips. On the cross, he bore my sickness and carried my pains. And by stripes, I was healed. And so, Father, my body is your temple. I praise and thank you that I'm healed. And nothing can live in my body that's not full of life. Hallelujah. I praise you. I'm delivered and set free in my emotions, in my thought life, in my soul. I am delivered from every power of darkness. I thank you in the name. I'm just continuing to give thanks unto his name. That's above every other name. That's a confession of faith. Confession of praise to the name above every name. The name of Jesus. Every mercy of God. His saving, healing, delivering, protecting. Every mercy of God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. We continue to do it. All legal sacrifices were superseded and abolished by the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what? I'm going to throw something out there. And now maybe someone will throw a tomato at me. I don't know. But I'll tell you right now. Stop watching those programs that say, this is your window of opportunity. We're nearing the day of atonement. And you see, if you miss the opportunity to give during the day of atonement, you're going to miss this greater blessing of God. My brother and my sister, you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing there is in Christ Jesus. God has held not back one thing from you, and you don't need a special day, the Bible says. You can go to God today and get his richest and best blessings manifested in your life right here, right now, no matter what day of the year it is or day of the week that it is. All that's been abolished. All that is is to make more money and sell more books and make you think you've got to have this. Someone tries to sell you an anointing, don't buy it. You know why? You've got an anointing on the inside of you. You've got an anointing on the inside of you, praise God. And you know what you've got in you? The power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells inside you. And if the spirit of him that raised him from the dead dwells in you, the anointing to heal your body is in you. You don't have to buy it, pay for it, send in your so much money. It's time to get real with God and have a true revival. Not something that pads someone else's pocket, but some, something that honors and glorifies the living God. All those days have been abolished as far as God is concerned. Read Colossians chapter 2 and you'll see it clearly. You have no respect for any other day. No day of the week, no day of the year. It's a slap in the face to Jesus Christ. His blood is far superior than the blood of goats, bulls, and animals and all that. It's all yours. You have it now. See, that makes you think you've got to do something special to get something from God. All you've got to do is accept what he's done. You've got the anointing inside you. Amen? Praise God. And that, you won't have to pay for that. It's free. Next one. Confession unto faith. This is so vital. This is so important. Our confession unto faith. Look at Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. It says... This book of the law shall not depart out of your ear. 
Thanks, Aaron. <laughs> this book of the law shall not depart out of your what? Mouth. But thou shalt meditate therein once a month. Day and night. Why? That thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. And then thou shalt have good success. Notice when God is speaking to Joshua about taking over the leadership of his people. Replacing Moses. He gives him counsel and advice as to how to succeed and prosper in every endeavor. And what's the first thing he says? This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. You'll meditate day and night. Meditate means to ponder. It means to mutter. And it means to muse. And the word muse actually means to say to oneself in a thoughtful manner. To say to oneself. I was working out. And I was doing some bench presses. And I saw someone walk by me and kind of did a double take. Look. I realized my muttering was out loud. My musing was out loud. <laughs> and you know how you just get caught up sometimes and I didn't realize it? I was talking to Jesus and just saying some things and you know, quoting scripture and all that. And the person did a double take. God wants us to mutter his word thoughtfully. Speak to yourself. Speak to yourself. Day and night. In other words, he wants us to be immersed in his word day and night. Because he understands that's how it impacts our lives. Look at um, Psalm 1. We see the same thing revealed to us. Blessed is a man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly or stands in the way of the sinner or sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law does he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in the season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Notice the connection once again between meditation and what? Prosperity. But now notice once again it's talking about day and night meditation. You're immersing yourself in the word of God day and night. And what happens? You become fruit bearing. You bear fruit of what you're meditating on. The only way you and I are going to make the tree good and its fruit good, according to Jesus, is by the deposits that we make in our lives. And the things that enter the ear and eye gates affect us internally, spiritually. So as we hear ourselves constantly say what the word says, this is a confession unto faith. It is bringing faith. There's a difference between releasing and bringing. You're bringing faith. I'm bringing faith into my heart constantly by saying, my God supplies all my need according to his riches and glory of Christ Jesus. You are the strength of my life. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? You're the strength of my life. Who shall I be afraid? God, you are on my side. You'll deliver me, protect me, and help me. You know what you said? I will defend you. I will fight for you. I'll protect you. I'll give my angels charge over you. That's what you said, Father. You keep saying to yourself what the word says. You provide all my need. I thank you for providing all my need. Yes, you are my provider. You're my Jehovah Jireh. You're my deliverer. Yes, you are my healer. Jehovah Rapha. I praise you and bless you and thank you. I'm delivered, I'm set free, I'm made whole by the stripes that Jesus bore for me. I'm bringing faith to my heart. Faith cometh how? By hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And who's declaring the word of God? I am. I'm speaking it into my own life. I'm speaking it to myself. I'm building myself up in the process doing so. Look at Psalm 119, verse 97. Beautiful verse of scripture with regard to meditation. Oh, how I love thy law, or thy word. 
It is my meditation all the day. You know, David was one who understood meditating in the word. Look at Psalm 19, verse 14, what he said. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength, my redeemer. Notice the connection, the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart. In other words, I'm going to muse, I'm going to ponder over, I'm going to mutter what the word says. I'm going to sit out, watch my father's sheep by night, I'm going to think about your word. I have access to your word, and I found out you said some wonderful, powerful things that you're El Shaddai, you're the God of plenty, you're more than enough, you're my deliverer, you're my protector. And so I can sit out here among the sheep with the wolves and the lions and the bears, and it doesn't really matter to me because I know that you are with me. Oh Lord, my God. He was his meditation all the day. So he immersed himself in the word all day long. And why is that so essential? Because you see, if you will feed your heart faith with your mouth when you don't need it, then your heart will feed your mouth faith when you do need it. So with your mouth, you're feeding your heart faith every day by meditating, musing in the word. And then your heart, out of the abundance of the heart, the what? The mouth speaketh. So you see, you're not saying these things because someone else says, now say this 10 times. No, that's not it. It's not how confession works. That's not how you decree things and establish them as realities in your life. You have studied for yourself. And what you have done, praise God, is you speak to yourself in a thoughtful manner. And you just pour over the word of God and keep on digesting it until it starts to rise up inside you and becomes yours. It takes over your heart life. And then out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Next one is then our confession of faith. You see, if we just isolate Mark eleven twenty three and use it by itself, it's still a blessed truth. It's the law of faith. But the thing is, if you don't understand all these other principles, then people will take this and run with it and start saying some things that they shouldn't be saying. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have what? Whatsoever he saith. That's what he's going to have. But notice the connection once again between the heart and the mouth. You notice all these are talking about the heart and the mouth. So one brings faith, the other one is going to release faith now. So you release faith by speaking to your mountain. Declaring to it, decreeing to it, get out of my way. Be thou removed. You have no place in me, no power over me. I declare and I decree it. Why? Because I know who I am in Christ. I know what I have. I've poured over the word of God. I've come to my conclusion. And my conclusion is, you don't belong in my life or in my way. I'm going to boldly declare what the word of God says. Look at 1 Samuel 17. We said that David meditated the word day and night and David as a result had faith in his heart I guarantee you he didn't borrow it from somebody else because it proves to be true that none of them else had faith they all were full of fear and after hearing about Goliath and rehearsing before the others his faith they went to Saul and said to Saul what David said so David gets an audience with the king because of what he said. This young kid gets an audience with the king. Did you get that? 
That's not an easy thing to do. But he got an audience with the king because of what he said. David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail him because, uh, fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. He's declaring some things now, decreeing some things. Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine. You're always going to have to fight, thou in unbelief. To fight with him, for thou art but a youth. He points out his inabilities. And he a man of war from his youth. I love David's interruption. And David said to the king, to King Saul, Thy servant kept thy father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him, and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, oh, I like that. I caught him by his beard and smote him. That's pretty close. And smote him. Slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised. Oh, what a word. This Philistine has no covenant with you, the living God. He shall be one as one of them. Seeing he's defied the armies of the living God. David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, experience is important. He will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go. Go ahead. Notice he decreed a thing. Now see, it's not manifest yet. It hasn't come to pass yet. But he decreed it. This is the end result. This is how it is. This is the way it will be. So the scenarios played out in his mind. You see how faith works? Not a guessing game here. The same God who delivered me from the Paul the lion and the Paul the bear will deliver me out of this situation. He'll deliver him into my hands. Okay, so. David decreed a thing based on his deep conviction of facts. Do you see that? He wasn't copying or mimicking or parroting someone else. David, go over there and say this. That would have been just words coming out of his mouth with no connection from his heart. Completely detached from his heart. You see, if you can really study this out, what you find out is this. David did this day in and day out, day in and day out, and day in and day out. And he fed his heart faith, and he kept bringing faith into his heart. And then when the challenge came, faith was in his heart, and he arose and killed the lion and killed the bear. And now facing this giant who's coming against him, he says, this is the scenario. This is how it plays out. So let's read about it. 1 Samuel 17, 45 to 47. The giant spews out all of his words based on fear to try to intimidate David. Then said David to the Philistine. So once Goliath got done spewing out his venom, David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. What a statement. Take just a moment to really focus on that. When we're attacked by the enemy, we need to have that mentality. You're defying my God, my Father, 
Who do you think you are? Sickness to come into my body. Who do you think you are? Lack to come into my life. Who do you think you are to try to attack my children? Who do you think you are? You're defying the living God. Whose I am and who I serve. That's the mentality that God wants us to have. Like David. Notice what he says. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand. And I will smite thee, take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines, the state of the fowls of the air, and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. It's time for people to know there is a God in the United States of America. Hallelujah. It's time for people to know that there is a God in this tri-state area. Hallelujah. There's a God where you live. There's a God where I live. Praise God. It's time for the world to know. Hallelujah. That our God reigns and our God is alive. And he honors the faith of his people. But how's the faith come? Meditating the word by day and night. How is it released? Bold decrees that come from our lips and say, in Jesus' name, I renounce you. I stand against you. I evict you from my body. You can't live in me. And there's no wavering in that. In Numbers chapter 13, verse 27, notice this. David confessed his faith in the living God. But these, they confess their faith in circumstances and enemies. And they told him and said, We came into the land, whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites swell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it. We are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they're stronger than we are. They brought up an evil report. That's the evil report by saying you can't do it. Of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying the land through which we have gone to search it, it is a land that eats up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants, and we are in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so were we in their sight. See, they also confessed from their hearts what they believed with their mouths. And what did they say? We can't, and gave certain reasons why. We can't do it. And in Numbers 14, 28, these are the words of God. Saying to them, as true as I live, saith the Lord, as you have spoken in mine ears, so will I do to you. Wow. As you have spoken in my ears, so will I do 
to you. These spies, they decreed some things and confessed some things. But you see, their faith was in the enemy's power to overcome them, to destroy them. Actually, in their own words, to eat them up. That's exactly what happened to them. They got defeated. They were overcome. Why? Because they decreed some things and established it. And it came to pass just like they said. And if you've heard me teach this before, then you know how those leaders died. Because of their words, because of what they said to discourage the hearts of the people and make their hearts melt. They died by the plague before the Lord. Their tongues and jaws were eaten out with worms and so were their navels. Heart and mouth. What a lesson. Man, if that doesn't wake somebody up, see all these people that say, oh, you faith people, name it, claim it. Really? Did you hear name it, claim it here? Was David naming it and claiming it? He was decreeing it because he believed in a God that he served. He was saying it because he understood the principles of faith. He had a conviction in his heart that if I speak in line with what God has spoken to me, he is faithful to his promise and he will watch over his word and he will make it good. He needs my cooperation. What happened to these others? They cowered in fear. And their faith was in the enemy's power, fortified walls. Think about it. Intimidated by things that God can just sneeze and blow apart. Really? Think about it. Finally, holding fast to our confession of faith. And this again is an important key. In the book of Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 23. Seeing then that we have this great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, we're supposed to hold fast our confession. But prior verse talks about we're to come to the throne by the blood of Jesus with true hearts and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to what? Profession, same word, homologio, the profession or confession of our faith without wavering. Notice why? Because faithful is he that promised. Oh, what a blessed truth. I'm to tell myself, you're faithful, Father. I serve a faithful God. And when I declare and decree what the word says, he is faithful to his promise, to his word, to perform what he said. He will do what he said. And so you see, understanding this whole thing, this teaching on confession is important. Otherwise, people will step out and start saying some things they shouldn't be saying. Doing some things they shouldn't be doing. You notice a little statement I put in there for you to, to chuckle at? I saw this and I thought it was pretty neat. Get a grip on your lip and don't let it slip. Get a grip on your lip and don't let it slip. That's called holding fast your confession of faith without wavering. First Timothy 6, 12, same thing. Look what it says. Fight the good fight of faith. You don't fight with weapons that are carnal. You fight with words. Lay hold on eternal life. I got the life of God in me. Whereunto you're also called and has professed a good profession. Notice, confessed a good confession before many witnesses. I have the life of God in me. I know it. I've studied the word of God. See, the thing is, we're looking for it out there when it's all right in here. He does exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think according to the power that's efficiently operative and activated that's within us. And how do I activate the Holy Ghost in me? By acknowledging his presence and confessing. 
The Holy Ghost who raised Jesus from the dead is dwelling in me. He's quickening my mortal body and giving it life. Hallelujah. Healing it, making it whole, giving it strength and ability. Praise God. Recreating what needs recreated. Restoring what needs to be restored. Whatever it might be. Praise God Almighty. I thank God. I thank God. I thank God. The Holy Ghost is at work in me. The power of God's alive in me. The life of God in me is what produces healing. You know what healing is? It's the life of God manifesting in your flesh. How do you get it there? Through a renewed mind. It's in your spirit right now. And when you start saying these things from your heart because you've embraced them, because you know them, hold fast your confession of faith without wavering, then that's when they come to pass. So our conclusion, look at Psalm 23, 15, and 16. That's our conclusion. And this is wisdom speaking, but really it's, it's the Holy Ghost speaking through Solomon. My son, if thine heart be wise, my heart shall rejoice, even mine. Yea, my reign shall rejoice when your lips speak right things. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. By your words you'll be justified. Jesus said, by your words you'll be condemned. My soul will be glad, in other words. You know what God's saying? I'm going to rejoice when you people start speaking the right things. I'm sure he believed it was a joy to be able to defend David before Goliath. I believe he just marveled at the opportunity to protect Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in a burning fiery furnace. Because they said, our God can and our God will deliver us out of your hand, O king. And what did he do? Showed up on the scene. Same with Daniel in the lion's den. Praise God. And what about Paul? Be of good cheer. I believe it shall be even as it was told me. See, you can't take this message and give it to somebody and just say, now go running around talking about, oh, I got a Cadillac, I got a brand new house, I got a brand new this, I got all, I got all this money coming in, it's coming from ever. I don't have to work ever again. When I was at school, that's all I heard. We shouldn't even have to work. We just have to say what the word says. My God will supply my need. Well, then I just, you know, I got to do my part. But it also says a man that doesn't work shouldn't eat. Doesn't it say that too? You just can't choose what you want to choose and say, I'll live by that. You see, you've got to have understanding of these things. Put these things in their proper setting and context. So it's important. The, beloved, what I just taught you, to you tonight, trust me, this is what has blessed my heart and my life over the years that has produced in my life the miracles I've experienced. And I thank God for those that stood faithful for the things of God and taught me these principles and truths. It has changed lives. And you heard me say last week, I believe by the Holy Ghost, based on what you heard last week and you're hearing now, there will be miracles taking place in many lives by applying these principles to your life. Let's all stand together before the Lord. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God, toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. 
We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound, and through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence to God first and then also to you. So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you and God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I now accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.